Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast. It is Monday, December 12th. In this episode, we'll review all four quarterfinals, talk the mighty Moroccans, and preview all the semifinals as well. But first, Mike, we have to um, sadly take a somber note and mourn the passing of Grant Wall. Anyone who has followed American soccer on television, in the press, in the paper, knows about Grant Wall. I think, you know, it's one of these things where you take a guy for granted. They just are the guy. He was part of Fox News. He just seemed to be freelance everywhere. And I think the thing I'm taking out of it, and it weirdly affected me a lot, and I don't know why. I think it's because he just turned 49 and I just turned 48, which means there's a guy who's my age who just died covering the game. And it's just, you know, there are guys that mean hockey. I know you probably don't like Barry Melrose at this point or Steve Levy on ESPN, but those are the guys that I would think they're the hockey guys. And if something happened to them, you'd be like, oh, shit, he died. Or Dick Vitale, these guys that mean something to their individual sports uh, or or when Chris Berman dies. But this is a guy who's got 20 years from being Chris Berman. And uh, Grant Wall dying is is a real fucking bummer. Kind of puts it is, and it's it's World it's horrible. Cup. And our and our our uh, our greatest condolences go to his uh, you know his loved ones and his wife and his, his brother. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, it, it has to be said that he was the center, not the center. He was one of the the controversial folks in Qatar, challenging the norms over there. Um, and uh, you know, he was detained for a little while for wearing a gay pride twenty five minutes, twenty five minutes. Not pardon me, right? And but um, you know he 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 always sort of did what he thought was the right thing to do. He was he was so unapologetically, unabashedly, um, you know, profound in the way that he covered the game. It's one thing if Barry Melrose dies, right, where he's just this, like <laughs> this goofball on ESPN. Yeah. But Grant Wall um, was somebody who was passionate and thorough and honest in all of his reporting and all of his it, it, whether it be about the U S team, about, you know, teams overseas, um, the rise of MLS. He just was, um, one of integrity. the, one of the integrity. One, yeah. But one of the best, the, one of the best foot soldiers for lack of a better term of the U S soccer movement. Right. And help bring along the American outlaws. Many years ago, I got to meet him at an American outlaws event. I got a picture with him. He's so tall. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm short, but, uh, it was just, uh, you know, he's, he's such a sweet man and, and it was yeah. shocking in the way that he passed, obviously. Um, and, and weird. Just, and we have to go through the whole thing of, is he get, I, I, I have to say this cause it really bothers me. It's like, Oh, is he a Khashoggi? I'm like, no, he's not a Khashoggi. No, they chopped no. Khashoggi up. Okay. Don't conflate the things. The guy it's weird. He's there. He died. But I think that. His brother didn't help by saying, "Sorry, there no, was a whole video. Again, there's a whole video of his brother saying, oh, my, I think my yeah, brother.' Yeah, sure. Uh, listen, and hey, it's really sucked. Look, you, I, I, I could, can't, I can't begrudge him for that because I mean, look, I mean, we don't know. Just completely grief stricken and and all that, and people yeah, say yeah, silly yeah, things yeah. and and whatever, and that's fine. But um, you know, the last thing he wrote was about a migrant worker dying. I think falling to his death from one of the stadiums, um, and he had head on a crane. This, yeah, and the Substack that he wrote because he was freelancing. He was over there freelancing, by the way, folks. Like yeah. Sports Illustrated laid him off a few years ago. He was like because he stood up to them and said, "You can't fuck these people over." Yes, 
Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. He just always stood for the right thing. And, um, and, and that's, he hit to his last breath. Almost. He was, um, he was writing, I think the, the first line of his last story was they just don't seem to care, uh, about this, this person who passed away. Um, you know, it's the, the Qatar world cup machine rolls on sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. um, so, so yes, for a moment, there was some internet doing internet things, but, uh, but at the end of the day, listen, uh, you know, let's pretend for a second everything could be as nefarious as possible. It doesn't change the fact that it's a tragic event where where U.S. soccer and world football has lost, uh, you know, one of its greatest champions. So, yeah, um, and they gave him just, he sad. had got he had gone to eight straight World Cups. FIFA yeah. covered it. They put his face up on the stadium scoreboard, and he got a moment of silence. And so that's how much he was revered. And I think the thing that I did, and I, I went deep dive. I read all the tributes and they're all the same. This is just a good, good dude who helped everyone that he could and wasn't a dick. Yeah. And that is very rare in sports. It's also very rare to not get cynical. We just do this podcast and we get run out of gas. Imagine covering games where you fall in love with a guy and you go to the locker room and you talk to him and he's just some scumbag. And you're just like, yeah, I just know. <laughs> anyway you're right, you're right. You had a never-ending engine and you're right um yeah. but yeah i mean we'll, we'll we wanted to touch on that right off the top it's a yeah it's a it terrible a occurrence uh and it's yeah. and it's certainly a cloud over over the rest of the, the world yeah. cup uh Sucks. just as something that for for lack of anything we won't have his stories to read right which is sad mm. um and it's and that's just the tip of the iceberg but yeah. um we'll move on to uh to a, to a U.S. soccer story that I, I tell you, yeah. well, we'll get into the previews, but we, we we do want to cover uh, what we've been talking about. The WhatsApp yeah. group, ask about it, find yes. out about it. It's very um, good. Manny, Dima, uh, the whole crew, John, we're all in there tra- talking shit. BJ, uh, if I forgot anyone, Christian, we're all in there. We're fighting. Uh, there's been some talk of pooping. There's been some talk of sodomy. Um, there's also been talk of Greg Ballhalter and Gio Reyna and uh, Mike, you have the floor. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because as, as any U S soccer fan with two eyes has seen uh, Gio Reyna was uh, missing in action for, you know, uh, for the majority of the U S's run to the round of 16. And there were a lot of questions as to why uh, there was a rumor that he was not hundred percent fit. Um, there was rumors that he was um, slacking off in practice in, in training um, and then there was just, you know, did Burhalter think he was a good fit? Well, we seem to have found the answer, uh, to those things. Uh, Burhalter speaking at what seems to be like a leadership conference in New York, uh, this week earlier, or maybe late last week. Um, he seemed to allude to the fact that he had to almost send a player home from Qatar. And he was saying that this person, he did, uh, he did not say who. <laughs> no, no, of course he didn't. He didn't say who, um, but it wasn't hard to draw a line between yeah. you know one and the other. Um, he he said that this person uh, was dividing the room. He said that there was a uh, not unanimous, but a vote where the team agreed with him, um, and 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 just a lot of these things where he was slandering one of the players on his team that will quote unquote remain remain nameless. Well, hey. Three minutes later, people are like, oh, he's talking about Giorena. That's ridiculous. Now, if, if you don't watch Dortmund and if you don't aren't super familiar with Giorena, he's 19 years old. First and foremost, he is 
Com coming into the tournament, he is um, a legacy. He is the son of a former U.S. Soccer World Cup captain, Claudio Reyna, 2006 World Cup, I believe. Um, he the is director a of football of the one-time MLS champion NYCFC. That's correct. Uh, that's correct. I thought he does something at, at Man City now. It's not important, but um, he, he may still work for the team. Well, he's City he Football left. Group, right? He left. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so uh, he's got that pedigree. Uh, he is 19 years old. He is a, just a phenomenal player for Dortmund. Really, really exciting. Um, and he's in that creative midfield role where I don't know if you noticed, folks, uh, we didn't have a whole heck of a lot there uh, to offer in the four games that we got to watch. So he certainly had services that were in demand for the U S team. Um, and he kind of fired back, uh, earlier today on Instagram. Uh, you know, he had hoped not to comment on the matters. It's my belief that things were just remain private. It sounds as though there was kind of a, a, a headbutting event behind scenes and it cooled down. He did make a couple of appearances in games. Um, so I guess, it was the, seemingly the, water the, under the bridge the, until Berhalter. Yeah, the, yeah. the timeline I'm, I'm understanding is this is the series of events. I don't know if it's a timeline, but this is at least a sequence. Berhalter says to Reyna, you're not going to get a big role in this cup. Before the World reason, Cup. Before the World Cup, for whatever reason. Reyna being a kid who probably thinks he's better than everyone on the team, and he might be, to be fair, Close. freaks out and probably acts like an asshole. That's fine. Uh, Burhalter, I guess, talks to the internal team. This is where the vote part comes in. Right. And from his internal team, they vote whether they want to kick him off the, the team. The backroom this staff, is his not assistant coaches. The players. So this was a, yes. a point of contention. The players did not have a vote on this. And then he's allowed to stay. Reyna is then asked to apologize to the team. Whether that's to the team or to the backroom staff is unclear. And then they kind of go on from there. I do think, and I and and, and we've been killing Burhalter, and Burhalter has a lot of problems. But I thought that that team played well, and that England draw means he doesn't get fired in my book. But I think the thing here is that Reyna is very, very injury prone. He has glass, uh, freaking hamstrings, and I think and this. I'm just trying to put myself in Burhalter's head. He probably thought. He can't go when I need him to go. I need him running full speed all the time. He's not Pulisic, who is the captain of the team or whatever. And I'm going to find spots for him when I need him. And I'm going to tell him that in advance. And that's the problem, right? And he okay. tried to hide it by saying injury stuff. And that that was the first thing. Rena said, no, I'm not injured. But I think that's where Brewerhalter was like, let me just try and cover this up. But he needed to communicate to Reyna, hey, I'm going to say this, and he didn't. So we had that first discrepancy. And so that's where the U.S. men's national team is. There is a story now. Herc Gomez on the Football Americas, you know, they cover MLS. They come with the U.S. men's national team. He's already he's not in Burhalter's camp, and he's already like, can the players trust Burhalter? Right. Is this the end of Burhalter? Mm -hmm. that's and, and that's what i was going to say like you you know you said the england draw means that he's probably going to stay well he's out of contract right now right no, but but that's he important... should stay in my view okay okay but he's but he's but now he's in trouble my understanding was and i didn't i didn't realize this until earlier last week or last week like he 
his his race has run, he is up for a contract. He's currently unemployed technically, right? He's the acting U.S. coach, if you will. We don't need one right now. So, And we um, don't need one until 27. The summer. Yeah, well, the but, team well, can just we'll, go we'll by themselves. We'll get that in a second. We'll get that in a second. <laughs> but we don't need one until the summer. We don't, or at least uh, probably the uh, probably the March next is the next one. I can't imagine they have a, a January date for FIFA. Um, so the question becomes, why did he do this, right? What, what, why did he make the statement at this leadership conference? Well, you could argue that this is him trying to say, hey, we had a difficult situation. He was under fire from this show, from everybody who was like, where the fuck is Gio Reyna? I think I said those exact words more than once in during our World Cup shows. Um, you know, he was basically trying to nod to say, this is what I was dealing with, right? <laughs> um, that backfired. Mm. I think it could have backfired, as and Hurt Gomez apparently agrees with me. I think that could have backfired enough to get him out of the job. Yeah. Uh, now, there were also reports that he was looking overseas. He was looking at one of the jobs, you know, in, in one of the lower leagues or one of the Red Bulls for, for argument's sake. Everybody right? else goes to Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of moving pieces here. And all this does is add more variables to the stew that make it a little bit harder to see him as the U.S. coach after this. I'm not saying he's not going to be. Um if the if the percentage was a 50-50 shot because he's he, you know they're going to reassess everything after the World Cup, it's a 40%, 60-40 shot that he won't be now, right? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I So here's my take, and then we're going to go into the reviews of these amer- amazing quarterfinals. This is good. This is good for American soccer. Yeah. I'm going to sound like Alexi Lalas here. It's good that we're actually getting upset at our coach and want to fire him and upset about selections and upset about – whether he should be there or should not be there in other countries, the coach quits immediately after a disappointing loss. Right. Right. We saw Luis Enrique is like, Oh, I lost to Morocco. I quit. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, I think uh, the, 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 the TJ for, for, for Brazil, and we're going to get to these teams. He's gone. Now they may have already been there, but the optic of I lose, I quit, I'm gone. And like, they're out of, they're out of town. They're, they don't even do interviews. They just like yeah. get vaporized. So I think it's a good thing that we're all super concerned about Greg Barhalter and not just like warm and fuzzy and just feeling like everything's fine. Well, everything's you, well, not fine. And we've got to sort of be a mature sort of grumpy nation who hates their coach. Just right, like, but, uh, just like they do for Southgate in England. <laughs> but think about this, right? And that's a good parallel, right? Yeah. And, and maybe we'll, we'll swing to that in a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. It was the big one off the jump, but yeah, yeah you're right. Um, it's been eight years, right? The 2014 World Cup, what was the refrain coming out of there? Oh, my God, if I could get 10 minutes alone in a boxing ring with Chris Wondolowski, right? Like, <laughs> like we played this valiant effort game against Belgium. We had it on 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 a knife's edge, and we let it slip away. I don't care if he was offside. But um, you get this legendary performance from Tim Howard. You had feelings. You had things that made that kept you up in the night thinking about what ifs and and – storylines and the thing about u.s soccer historically is that it comes and then it goes right like it's 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 very much follows the world cup cycle the difference probably in the time of those eight years right um we missed 2018 but in that time the this the game the sport has blown up in and around the states and maybe not necessarily to the extent that it's like well everybody's following their local clubs but you and I do a podcast about 
the English Premier League for fuck's sake, right? And so there's so much more attention waiting. It was all just kind of brimming at the top of the bottle, waiting yeah. to, for the cap to pop off of it for something exactly like this. Yeah. And and obviously there was no, you know, you don't want these controversies, you want success. But the hunger for success, and that's what you were getting at, is ideally the thing that ultimately helps lead to it or more more yeah, success I mean, I mean, than you've had in the in the past. Hansi Flick, a guy who won the Champions League with Bayern and took the German job and left Bayern, had to be like, am I going to get fired? That's good. You should be like that. Yes. Anyway, so yes. let us go to these amazing semifinals. Um, wow. Where do you want to go? Our Which quarter- one do you want to go to? I, the, the, quarterfinals. the quarterfinals, excuse me. And then we'll get to the semifinals that are, you know, sort of, we just kind of go, we tell you what they are and, and what's on at stake. But, you know, we had two – The fir- on Friday, we had the double penalty games with the South Americans going through, you know, teams they should have beat. But holy shit, was that petrifying. And then we had the Battle of Hastings with uh, William the Conqueror defeating Harold again. Uh, that happened and in the form of Harry of Cain, uh, sadly. And then, you know, we had uh, – we had Mighty Morocco. I mean, every single one of these games has a storyline, and we just need to pick one and start. So yeah, you have to start no, with the main you event. You have the floor. Right. <laughs> you have to start with the main event. You have to start with England-France. Um, because yeah. as as wild as the other three games were, this was the, you know, it was, and I'm not a big UFC fan, but it was almost like there was a great UFC card, and the title fight was just things that people will talk about for decades, and it probably it will. Yeah. Um, I thought... I thought it was a tale of two halves. I thought France were the far better side in the first. Um, England, for me, were better in the second. I thought Bellingham was good. Saka was great. Um, Harry was doing things in and around. Uh, he was pretty much the entire... You, you had Saka creating like opportunities but not getting shots. I think Bellingham had the only shot on target not from Harry Kane the <laughs> entire game. Yeah. So, you know, it was... It was a bit of a title fight back and forth. You had Mbappe, for the most part, subdued. Quiet, quiet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought they did a good job. They they always doubled. They, they didn't it, really leave. Didn't really leave. Such a, you have to say, long. right? You have to say, you know, it was Walker and company advantage England there, right? Yeah. Um, and that worked. It's just. You can't leave Olivier, Olivier Giroud open that much, right? You can't give him that many opportunities. Um, yeah, it, you know, he had almost just scored just before. Yeah, he. But that's not the only one he had. He had about four or five real good chances in the air. And I, I'm, and I'm not saying that this is an easy task to shut him down with the surrounding cast, right? You're basically saying this is the poison I'm picking, and uh, it's it's hard to even slate McGuire for that. You know, it's yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a very very difficult task. When again, if if you're if you're facing uh, who's he's on um, Roma or Milan, Milan, Ooh. Milan these days, they've got a great supporting cast, but you can shut him down, right? You're not yeah. worried about him. And yeah. Leao is a guy who can beat you, but there's there's ways to beat that team. France is just again, it's pick your poison. It's where am I going to get beat? You have to almost choose that going in, and you have to just wince and say, not that bad today. Right. Yeah, and it, and it's tough. And these are super talented teams. And I think the key, the thing that uh, Mbappe did, which is is this sort of thing that comes from basketball, and we talk about Steph Curry this way, is its gravity. You had to know yeah. where he was, what he was yeah. doing all the time, and that allowed for Griezmann to really pull the strings. He had yeah. to assist. It's his cross to Giroud that causes the thing. Uh, Tuka many 
takes an incredible shot. The goal that that, that France scores early uh, in the 17th minute is an incredible shot, but that it is. came after a scramble. Where is Mbappe? He cuts across the box. They do get back into shape, but it's a little bit of space. And I'm not saying that Bellingham had a problem, but it was a moment of reset on the box. Like it was, they were attacking England. And I think the other piece that I want to sort of call out is like just so many good performances. Declan Rice was just everywhere, picking up the ball, moving it forward, getting England into attack. Everyone really did a decent job. Even, even weirdo Jordan Henderson, who, you know, gets slated a lot as much as I slate him. Listen, I have respect for the evil empire that is Liverpool. And he was the captain of that team. So he has a little bit of gravitas and, and some pull with that team. But it's just, it's just, you know, the Tukameni goal is like, you can't stop that. If that happens, no. the way you stop it is, please don't be in that spot. And if you shoot, I don't want anything bad to happen. Um, so first half is a little bit, once France got the goal, they, they didn't sit deep, but they relied on their strong defense because between um, between Kunde and Varane and Umbacano, these guys are fast and they can really run in Tukameni. I, I was worried about the the French midfield. It wasn't that strong, but they they held up. But you know, Bellingham and 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 Rice. This is a it's a weird game. It's a weird game. Um, second half, we you know, Saka draws the penalty. Your man Kane finishes it. But then twenty minutes later, Giroud gets his goal. Then there's some changes. The mount comes on and Sterling comes on, and we have this late this late penalty that comes for your friend and mine, Mister Kane. And um, there's a there's a delay, there's some shit housing. There's a there's a oh it was in the back. It was the weird. It was the terrible. Mason Mount drew the penalty on an obvious penalty that yeah wasn't called, which was absurd. I, yeah it, it was silly. Um, yeah. and and as soon as as soon as that call goes to VAR, and I put this in the WhatsApp group, and I said uh, he's, he's gonna, gonna miss. miss. <laughs> <laughs> and when I know Harry Kane so well. And here's the thing you have to understand. And, and, um, it's fear. Um, it's a lot of things. It, so well, much. no, no, no. It was, it was a mind game battle with Hugo and yeah. his, one of his best friends, the captain of his club. Um, he beat him once and he goes, I have to come up with something different that he hasn't seen before. Yep. Instead and of that nice I fire. Very, very, very rarely have seen doubt in Harry Kane's eyes. Uh, and I felt it. I felt it during the VAR review and, yeah. um, and, and it hurt to know that I was right. And he, yeah. and, and, and Hey, by the and way, it's a, and it's not we, safe. What do we say? Died, right. Yeah. Just go smash it. Just go smash it. And he did. And he did. <laughs> and unfortunately <laughs> he smashed it, it over the, the bar. Yeah. Yeah. That was just so hard to watch. It really was. And the funny thing is, um, my wife uh, took the dog out um, um, right after Drew scored, and yeah. uh, and I looked at her and I went, you know, this is kind of the best outcome for a Tottenham fan, for an American <laughs> Tottenham fan. You know, Kane had a pretty, a really good tournament. Again, they lose. He's healthy. He gets back to to London. He was really good fault. the whole tournament. Yeah, he was great the whole tournament, and it's not his fault. Yeah. And as soon as they got the penalty, I went, oh, Michael, oh, Michael. <laughs> Um, what do you, um, you talked about the uh, too many goal. Um, there's a lot of smoke coming out of the England camp about the officiating. Um, I don't, I, what no. do you make of it? 
they got two penalties. Shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Did he uh, call I mean, it they right? Were the, 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 the issue they were was that penalties. on the on the Tukamini goal, there was a foul at the other end before yeah. they went down the other way. You know what? That's run of play. Play on. Come on. Don't. Yeah. I yeah. I don't. That. I don't. There was the, a the, lot the of foul at the edge of the box, which we we were talking about at the time in the in the group, um, where it was they clearly didn't, a foul. I, I never saw because, a replay. Oh, it was a foul. I promise. But it was. It was on the edge of the box, but not in it. And it's one of those where it would have been a penalty, but now it's not a foul at all. Now, look, that's not a problem with the refereeing. I suppose it's a foul. With, it's a problem with the referee no, not calling the foul. It's with VAR. You don't want with VAR. VAR. And that's what I said. This you is don't want VAR cases. reviewing fouls. So if it had been in a box, then they can say it's a penalty. But because it's outside the box, the you call is the call. I'm not, not going to agree with you on that. I'm going to say... I think across the board, I agree, right? But yeah. what you know what VIR needs, and our American listeners will appreciate this, and I apologize for the reference for our, our British fans, our British listeners. They need a Buffalo Wild Wings button where they go, hold on a second. That, <laughs> that, that deserves another look, right? Like where it's just basically <laughs> chaos. Here you go. Because yeah. that was a foul. And 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 maybe nothing comes of it, right? It's a it's a uh on the side of the box, so it's not even like you can take a, a free kick directly on, probably. Um, I but it's, just it's less pressure. It's pressure on France. You've sure, got to handle yeah. it. Yeah. Listen, I, I don't think England was hard done. Like the guy, they got two penalties. Now, both those penalties had to be reviewed, which is absurd, right? Like that's kind that of, one in that's back, kind of part of no, Like, listen, as much as I hate VAR, that one no, in the back, first one, Saka's, Saka's sorry, penalty sorry. was straight the one on. in the back, the, the man one, he wasn't going to call that, which is I know. bonkers. I know. <laughs> so anyway, Kane misses, and then they England do. I do give them credit. They do battle back. They do get a free kick right at the end of the uh, game, and um, you know Rashford, Rashford shoots it just over the bar. And they think I think the key thing here with narrative was this was for the English. Like I listened to Gary Neville, I listened to Talk Sport, I pick up all the things. The narrative here is England played well. They simply did play well. And they should have, could have, on another day, they do beat France. And they're taking it as a weirdly, not a moral victory, like they bunkered in and made lots of saves. It was like, no, no, no. They were there for the taking. And that's kind of probably what's frustrating is like, we could have won this game. And I yeah. think as an Eng- if you're an England fan, you're like, fuck, man. We should have just let out all the chambers, b- throw them all on and just go after it. And maybe that's their feeling Maybe there there was some defensiveness, but I don't think so. I feel like, you know, you, England's def- – I think the big problem that comes up is England's center backs are not good enough for England to go hell for leather because yeah. they always have to have Rice with the center backs nearby. Because I was sort of kidding around as I was in the chat. I was like, oh, Stones, Maguire, and Declan Rice are the same player. They literally look the same. They're literally moving around together because the reason is, is that Rice does not trust to be anywhere far away from them. Like, I love John Stones. He's great on the ball, but he's kind of a, a hybrid. He's not quite a center back. He's not quite good enough on the ball to be a midfielder, though. So he's a yeah. center back who has midfielder skills but can't really defend. Like, yeah. he's kind of weird. And then, you know, Harry Maguire, they protect, you know. I think the fullbacks are good. Obviously, England has great fullbacks. I I would argue that maybe they should play Shaw and 
and Walker as center backs and then use their extra half a dozen fullbacks. Yeah. Because then they can play Trent and then they can play (laughs) Reese James and Chilwell and try and be like this hybrid, like weirdo, we're all fullbacks kind of thing. I doubt that would work. Yeah. yeah. um, uh, It's it's an idea. Um, Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like that, that thing that Southgate does that he's defensive in this case, Southgate doesn't really have to feel like, he had a handbrake on the team and they can feel good about how they played. Mm-hmm. But I am sad. I think uh, I, I, one of the other storylines coming out of this was, you know, Rashford looked great through the tournament. How could you not get him more minutes? Well, well, well who okay. are you not going to play? You're not going to, you're not, you're gonna mean, I, play I understand people are going to have hot takes. You're not taking Harry Kane in the lineup. You're just not. And by the way, Marcus Rashford is not Harry Kane. Um, He's not Gillian Mbappe either. According to Ten Hag. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Um, you know, you've got Saka and Foden, right? Um, you can't take them out. You can't. It's hard. It's a, it's it's it's, a, it's what they call a good problem to have. Yeah. And if it doesn't go your way, it's one of those things you go, well, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Not really. What? Because he yeah. scored a, a great free kick against Wales. Yeah. And and it's and we're and when we're talking about subs, we're talking about ten minutes here, five minutes there. You know, your hope for a change. Do you hold Foden back so that he can come on and change games instead of blah, 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 and, and this and that? Listen, England are fine. I don't think there's anything more to say. The question is, is do they stay with Southgate? He's sort of taking a, a – he's slow rolling it. You know, the, who's their next coach? I don't know. If you would have told me that England would lo- get locked out in the quarters. By friend. They, they play well. Not even, but not just, just if England lose in the quarters – Southgate is getting tarred and feathered and his family is being run out of the country, right? It's actually interesting to see sort of a measured approach from the English media. And and yeah, they're not I will they, say this because they played well. Less less I mean Twitter is a fucking dumpster fire, but oh, yeah, less funny. hatred at Kane than I expected. I will say that. Oh, there was a there's no you didn't there's a lot of Have oh, I missed it? it? It's Spursy. It's how could you yeah, expect yeah. someone from Spurs? Who's never won anything to win anything? Oh, now England are Spurs. Oh, I'm Spurs, glad that Spurs. I just properly. I'm glad that I've curated a fantastic Twitter feed. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of Spursy. You know, the yeah. Arsenal fans are blah blah blah, but they shouldn't be because you know whatever. Uh, but let, let's let's move on to um, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to the South Americans or do you want to go to the Morocco Portugal? Even let's though that go was to the Saturday. South Americans, let's and go. we'll wrap back around to Portugal. Okay, I want to go to um, Argentina because that game was weird so yeah argentina really bossed this game van Gaal, all his talk of kicking the americans ass argentina are not the united states okay fucking tactical genius the dutch were terrible they didn't do shit they didn't have any chances uh Lionel messi scores a penalty early they get another goal from um from akuna on a pass by messi that is like interplanetary act insane like how did he see it how did he do it? It was one of those things where like that fucking guy. He can only he can do that. I think as much as I love Kevin De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne has never made a diagonal through ball through seven people. Four, <laughs> but seven? No. <laughs> so it was one and he looked up. You could see him see it. It's an incredible ball, and the finish is fantastic. So they're cruising, everything's fine. Argentina is cruising to this thing, no problem. Van Gaal, in his great wisdom and his <laughs> Dutch uh, uh, beautiful football, we only play total football, goes, 
You know what? Here's this for total football. Give me two six foot five guys. We're going into the box. We're crossing it in. Veghorse comes well, on. on. Luke Deshaun comes on. And hold it is on. on. <laughs> because before that, right? Before that, you had all of it popping off. Right? Oh, there's a lot you of had, shit housing going on. Uh, there's a lot of shit housing. There's a lot of craziness where uh, I'm I'm blanking on who it was. I think it might have been. Oh, the ta- um, ta- was it, was ta- it ta- not Tagliafico? It was a younger guy. It was Fernandez, I think, or, or Fagundes. Can't remember. His name. Oh, Enzo he, Fernandez, I believe. Yes, yes. I think it was en- Enzo Fernandez. He kicks the uh, Enzo Fernandez a has a, a rash tackle right on the right on the halfway line. That's a yellow yes. card challenge, like stolen. It right? is a yellow card. He challenge. gets up, and by the way, it's right at the part of the field where the Netherlands the coaches uh, are, bench yes. is, and yes. we have shades of Roger Clemens here because he gets up. Yes. And he just rips the sh- the ball at the bench, at the <laughs> Netherlands bench. The Netherlands bench is completely beside themselves. They come storming out on the field. We've got a bench clear here, folks. And it's not quite a bench, you know, a little brouhaha. But there were some real good shoves. And the best moment of, of, of the whole fracas, if you watch and go back, Virgil van Dyke, I believe to, to Fernandez, Gives oh, him Paredes. what would only be considered a Scott Stevens mwah, work of art open ice crot like check where he just <laughs> locks his arm into place and throws his shoulder into I believe Fernandez is just chest yes. bone boom yeah. he goes down like a sack of hammers. And There's a lot going. On. I, I did I did I did bury the headline on the 17 yellow cards and the yeah, yeah, yeah. okay but so now let's just. Now let's dissect this for one more one more second. Fernandez creates the initial foul. Should be a yellow card. He yes. kicks the ball at speed at the opponent's bench. It hits a chair. I did check on it. Okay. It didn't hit anybody. Okay. I don't think that, that should matter. That, <laughs> no, should it also, matter. <laughs> that should also be a yellow card, folks. Yeah, for those of you scoring at home. And then he I should think Messi should have been sent off too. There was another one. No, I don't he, buy that because he he that's like a fallacy of the predetermined outcome, right? Like he wouldn't have gotten the second yellow card if he was on the first yellow card. You know what I mean? Because he was like wasting is, time or something. There's a lot of shit housing going on in this oh, game. Oh, a ton of it. Yeah. and But the referee is causing half of it. Yeah. He's, he's demonstrative. He's – he's and, and if you've watched a Champions League game and you've seen this guy, Lahore, uh, he's – Pep hates him. All refs hate him. They all complain about him. How this guy keeps on being able to be in these things is beyond understanding. But he's there. He's causing a fucking ruckus. It's just a real shit show. But I think the best part about this is Veghorst does come on on the football side. And the Dutch just abandon all principles. And this game becomes a bombing assault. Nothing like the Blitz of England or Dresden. It is bombing the ball, crossing second balls. Lissandra Martinez is under some serious threat. I mean, he's tiny. Yeah. He's got Veghorst there, and it's nuts. Veghorst does get get the first goal, which was like, oh, wow, look at that. Uh, Luke de Jong has a couple of – but I'm thinking these guys are bums. Like Luke de Jong is yeah. a bum, like a first class. But time is still running out on them, right? You know, right. Oh, I should and, say and until there's 97 minutes. been great, by the way. There are 10 yes. minutes added on, 11 minutes added on, mm-hmm. and there is a free kick at the edge of the box. This is Argentina just has to defend this kick. And the Dutch pull one out of the Dutch oven 
that is just incredible free kick. They pass it directly to Veghorst, who's in the wall. He turns and fires, and it's tied. And I'm like, oh, God, what extra? No, no extra time. I didn't want this. This was awful. Oh, no, no. You were in the minority. This was, I wanted, I wanted an hour more of this. Give me all of it. <laughs> oh, no. um, I just tied. It was like, unbelievable. No, it, it ended up, I have them in the final. <laughs> it ended up being a three-hour match in total. Oh, God. Um but so, but, but but to to Argentina's credit, they did pull themselves off the breach. They did get up off the deck and did have chances to win this game late. But there was a lot of more red cards, more changes. I think in extra time alone, there were four <laughs> yellow cards. And then Dumfries finally did get sent off on a double yellow uh, in the 123rd minute, right at the very um, end. Yes. Um, and, and this is after Enzo Fernandez hits the post in the 119th. Um, yes. Underrated, and I will always call this out and question why. I think it's always stupid when they do this. Cody Gapo in the 113th minute taken off. Why? Why? Because we've been playing I, every game of every minute. Sure. But if he's one of your guys, uh, he should be trusted to take a penalty. I've, that's the hill I will die on. I understand he's tired. But nonetheless, we go to penalties. And my friend and yours... Emmy Martinez is staring down the Dutch. You know, we talked about it. Uh, I, uh, I fucking love who that do we, guy. Who did we cite? We talked about him in the Copa America. Uh, they brought it up on the broadcast, um, but we had a whole thing about it when he did that to Colombia. And he makes, or no, he made uh, two saves. Two Van Dyke and Bird. And then I, I think that kind of really just sells the whole thing at that point. Right. Well, once Paredes scores, who also, that was who it was, Paredes. Um, with the whole brouhaha. Um, Paredes scores the second one, and you're like, all right, you're not coming back from two. Enzo Fernandez does miss, um, but Latero Martinez, who you were giving shit to, he finally puts away the, the final winner. Um, and you think that that's everything, right? Nope. The teams pop off again because oh, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's – I, I didn't even actually see who started what, but uh, – Oh, it's, it's the Dutch bench. The it's Van Gaal and and Edgar Davids yelling okay. during the huddles before the penalties, saying, "We're taking them to penalties. We'll beat them in penalties." And yeah. and Messi's like, "You disrespect me." I'm like, "Dude, that, what did you think <laughs> they were gonna do?" And he's yelling. Yeah. They're yelling at each other the whole game. It's great. It's Argentina. It's the Dutch. I mean, what else would we get? But I will say that it's really the last half hour to an hour of this game. That really kick off of you. If you saw the messy pass, that would have been fine. But then the the tension and the energy, it oh. was breathless stuff. Wow. It was bonkers. It wouldn't, it should wouldn't be, it wouldn't be Argentina versus the Netherlands without it. They have a secret. Now they really do have a secret, not so secret rivalry that we hope that they play each other again and that yes. you know things go up. And again, another one, Van Gaal quit career over. Well, he did have cancer, mm-hmm. but that's okay. So Messi is now two wins away from full goat status. He's at he's at goat status for many, but I think if he gets the World Cup trophy, uh, it is goat or bust for for Mr. Messi. Sure. Uh, speaking of uh, South Americans uh, and penalty shootouts, um, we go <laughs> earlier in the day: Croatia and Brazil. Uh, what we Croatia. thought was going to be a, an instant classic turns out to be one of the less memorable games of this weekend. Um, yeah. Croatia outlasts the Brazilians in penalties. 
But how about the resilience of going down in extra time? First of all, playing them the way we knew that they would, right? And, and somebody here said zero zero in penalties. Um, but uh, playing them all the way down to the bone, and then and I, I is, is it is it? It's not, um, yeah, that's right. In the hundred fifth minute. Uh, in the first half of extra time, gives Brazil Correct. the lead. Now Croatia is on, on a great goal, very cool. At this point, there's no oh, they both are. Oh, no wait, there's right. Um, and and come on, they they get they take Brozovic off for Orsic. Uh, they bring on Budimir as well for two, so two more attacking players. And Orsic ends up being the one who assists Pekovic the tying goal in the 107th minute. Just before these, to why, breathe life why, into why Brazil are his life was why Brazil are still attacking is beyond me. Like you're up a goal, what are you doing? It was bonkers. Yeah, one move. Still right? That's all doing. they. That's all yeah. they know how to do. Um, I think that the thing about this game, to, though, they is, go to penalties, and uh, and it's again, it's. We got. Oh, no, nothing. I I think that we have a little bit of a time delay. Uh, what I was going to say was just this game. Like, if you look at the stats, that Croatia had fifty percent of possession. How that's possible against Brazil should have never happened. But to your point, the penalties are just—they're just heartbreaking and amazing. And Croatia's goalkeeper made like eleven saves, and he's one of the—he's probably the yeah. Levakovic is the hero again. Big. He makes he makes two saves. Uh, on Rodrigo and Marquinhos. Um, well, Marquinhos and tell at the goal. Sure. Um, but you, yeah, that was a good taking penalty. Just, just rings off the bar. Um, it, there's a freedom that Croatia plays with that is so enviable in these, in these big spots where they're like, yo, what happens if we lose? Nothing. Right. Like if Brazil lose, they're all going to be in trouble. Like they're all going to get, you know, arrested for tax evasion or something crazy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you can tell that they play with the freedom. They can tell they, they play with the confidence that their keeper is going to get them one and they just need to hold serve. Right. Whereas a lot of the times, um, if you, we watch takers in that spot, they feel all the pressure, but you know, Croatia's I, like, Hey, let's go do our business and let our guy do his I, thing. I think Croatia is now in like over the last two world cups, They've won four out of six on penalties. Yeah. And they just like, I think that the thing is like, and, and this is one of these things that I didn't, that I've slowly had appreciation. I kind of forget it comes in and out because it's these things that you don't notice unless you really pay attention or you want to pay attention to it because, you know, soccer can have these weird flows. But if you just look at what Luka Modric is doing all these games, he's just fantastic. They can always throw him the ball. He drops deep in between the center backs. Then he's on the freaking wing. Then he's in the attack. Then he's putting the ball around the corner. And he yeah. gives them a confidence. Like you were saying, they know they can just give him the ball. They're like, I'm in trouble. Fire it to Luca. He he takes it down. He does those outside of the boot passes that look like they're easy. But then you think, no one else does that. 
It must be hard. But <laughs> what that does is that it just wrong foots defenders because they're trained their whole life. They're like, when a guy is standing like this, he passes like this with the inside of his foot or maybe his left foot. But he'll take his left foot and make a right-footed pass, if you will. So everything mm-hmm. is disguised. You don't know where the ball is going to go. It goes around the corner, and all of a sudden they're on the other side. The only thing Croatia are missing is Mandzukic, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're still missing a striker, but – that midfield of Brozovic and, and Mateo Kovacic, who, if you watch Chelsea, he's what makes that team's go. You can give him the ball. Now, is he a great through-line passer? No. But now I know why. He, didn't, he doesn't have any practice because there's no one to pass to there or at Chelsea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he's able to take the ball and run with it. And so the idea that Croatia, against the mighty Brazil, had 50% possession is mind-boggling. Like, yeah. this is Brazil. They shouldn't have the... They're not sitting deep and absorbing pressure. There's whole parts of the game where Croatia's just passing the ball around. And Brazil's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. We weren't designed for this. We're not supposed to be able to do this. And um, I couldn't say how happy I am for Croatia. I loathe Neymar. I mean, if there's a player that I oh, never man. want to win anything, it's Neymar. He's... A whiner. He didn't take a penalty. You look at Van Dyke for the Dutch. He took a penalty. He missed. He's the captain. Messi. He took the first penalty. He took the penalty for his team. That Neymar did not take his penalty is just an indictment on him, an indictment on passing the buck on your teammates. Like, here's Rodrigo. He's 20 years old. Like, what are you doing? At the end of those penalties, he's crying. What You're crying too, but you're supposed to be 30 years old and the captain of Brazil. What are you doing? Like, I just, yeah. I just, I know. Now, that, now it should be said, I'm sure that he was going to take the fifth spot, right? But that's oh, for the not win? a given. Yeah, that's not a given. So for you to do it and say that want to be the, the poster child, that's absolutely ridiculous. You get out there and you go, we're not going to miss the first one because I'm going to take it. Well, the other right? thing is they changed the rules in FIFA it's not fixed. You can change who takes the penalty anytime. You're behind. Well, the players decide more or less, right? Like it used some, to be that some, if you, some... it used to be that if you wrote it down, it was fixed. Right. Right. And they've changed it. Where the 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 referee doesn't care. He's just, oh, you're taking it? Go ahead, go. <laughs> so, you know, that he didn't see that his team was down and find it within himself to go take it. Now the argument will be if you don't want to take it, don't take it. There's a lot of strikers who don't want to take them. I, you know, you think about, you know, there's just players who just don't. But then, then don't hide. Then get out of the spotlight completely. If you can't take the heat, get out of the fucking kitchen. Right. Yeah. 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 So, and then yeah, yeah. Brazil are on this show. I mean, and then you know we're we're getting into a weird space with Brazil. It's 2002. It's 20 years without a World Cup. Yeah. That's. That's getting long. <laughs> it's like, well, as soon you know, as Neymar retires, I am hopefully uh, I will I will cheer for them again. But until then, go fuck yourselves. Um, <laughs> and speaking of go fuck yourself, oh the favorite, our favorite uh, up yours to our friend Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo, who we've gotten a lot of content out of, by the way. <laughs> we have. Uh, Even Ole, Ole are the stars of this podcast. <laughs> do not let the door hit you on your ass on your way out of the stadium. Uh, I, I made the joke that it was kind of like watching him, you know, fade out through the tunnel 
uh, after they lost to Morocco was like the end of the Sandlot. And it's like, yeah, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo really got into the 60s and nobody ever saw him again, right? Like kind of like that. Because he's going to Saudi Arabia and nobody's ever going to see him again. Like he's just going to sit there, make $200 million a year and not give a shit. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if he ends up getting fat and not coming to MLS because he doesn't care. He'll never get fat. He's too vain for that. No, so, I, I think he might. So I have to be completely honest and frank in that this is the first game that I watched of Morocco straight through. Uh, I mean, I had read about it. I watched the highlights, but highlights don't really do Morocco justice. This was a team that played with force. It was this concept of a mid block, which is, you know, it's not quite deep. You know, your, your center backs aren't on the 18 yard line and you're not dropping deep. It's more like you're in the center circle and you, 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 once someone comes across the line, then you, you press, but they ran hard. And I want to call out a few players on this team. Amrabat, um, Hakimi, the other fullback was incredible. Uh, Atia Ala, he's not even in a top five European league, and he is a murderer. Uh, on the break, Bufal, Z- uh, Hakimi, uh, and Ziyech, they, Ziyech, when they yeah. went on the break, Ziyech, when they go on the break, it's not some like shitty break. They would break the lines. And then the one that I really love is their number eight, Ohwani. He was playing in the center of the three sometimes when Amrabat was sort of putting out fires. And he went, they wouldn't, when they got the ball after an attack broke down for Brazil, for for Portugal, they wouldn't just hoof it. They would get it into Ohwani's hand and he would dribble past dudes on his 18-yard box. He's this skinny little guy, uh, plays for Angers in France. He was incredible. This is a guy who's going to get a fucking contract. And he did end up assisting. No, sorry. He didn't assist. Uh, My friend Atia assisted on the El Nesri goal. He's a giant motherfucker who flew in the air, gets the goal at the start of the half. And, you know, the party started for Morocco from there on. And it was never really close. I mean, I know XG isn't everything, but... For Portugal to have less than one XG against Morocco. Despite 76% uh, possession. Yeah. They just never, yeah. They just never really did anything. They did make the changes. I mean, I I would have expected Cancelo to have started, but Cancelo and Ronaldo come on on 51. They had most of the game and they did nothing. Nothing. Leal did nothing. He came on at 69. He did nothing. Nobody did anything. I said it at the time, I thought Nevis coming off when he did was interesting because he was actually had the most passes through halftime. I know that because I bet on him. But um, uh, it was one of those where he seemed to be involved in everything Portugal was doing. So to take him out, uh, you know, early second half was kind of surprising. I'm not saying don't take him out. I'm just yeah, thought I, the I think timing this was is, kind of this peculiar. Is, this is one of those where uh, I'm not going to say Bruno Fernandes. Uh, where Bruno Fernandez is supposed to create everything, and he just wasn't able to because the Moroccans yeah. just didn't let it happen. I think that this is a real unit and a real team, and they're essentially playing at home. They have the entirety of Africa yep. and the uh, Arab world with them. And from what I saw of France against England, I don't see any reason why Morocco should feel like they can't put it on France. They the absolutely I, have a they have a puncher's chance. I would say the, the um, only the only thing I think of is that their center backs are both hurt, which is bad. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you'll have the Hakimi on Mbappe similar That'll to, be fine. to Walker, right? Like I think it's as good as you're going to do, right? Um, but yeah, it's it's how do you shut down the the Griezmanns, the Giroux's, and, and and so on and so forth. But well, the, um, the question is, is how, can they get a goal? Right? Can can they get a goal? Right. And how do they get a goal? Right. And you know, if they if they can get on the break, but I, I'm now not, I'm now not. I would not be that surprised. Would it be an upset? Of course, it would be an upset. But I think it would be deserving. I think that Morocco fundamentally is is good, and they're yeah. Who does this in recent memory in club football? Is there a, a team that this reminds you of? Leicester. Oh, okay. I was going to go with a uh, a deep tournament run wearing red in 2019. This is Ajax. And, and Ziyech is the connection for me there, right? Okay. But this is this is that Ajax team for me. Um, just watching them take down giant after giant. On a, sure, on a sure, sure, sure. Um, different different with, style, though. That's why I said. Yeah, said. yeah, absolutely. But – um, and like I said, Ziyech is kind of the link for me mentally, but, um, because but yeah, I see them as, as, as unafraid giant killers. So that's yeah, and they, what they have, what they have that's different from some of these teams is they, the Morocco and Algeria are close and they remind me and Buffal reminds me of, um, Riyad Mahrez and so does Ziyech. Yeah. These, 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 these North African flair players who are street ballers effectively, yeah. they, they're poor. They're from you know poor neighborhoods, poor towns, and they play in the street and they have a a, a flair for the dramatic and they'll do a, a behind the leg thing. And when they're on the break and they need those moments when you know their team defending, 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 they don't get the ball. Someone gives them the ball and then they're closed down. They have the trick to get out of it and then release that ball out onto the wing and the whole thing goes on again. Or get fouled but, and take the take right, the pressure right. Out. But but in club football. Coaches don't like it because sometimes they make a mistake and blah, 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 and whatever. And they get annoyed by that because w- whatever reason, like I know I get annoyed with Riyad Mahrez when he checks back five times and tries to take a left footed check. I go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Get rid of it. They know. They know. <laughs> but when there's three of them and that's the whole purpose of the team, then it makes more sense. And they've got the big man striker. Uh, their striker has indeed scored had an 18 goal season for Sevilla. So he's capable of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so uh, they can do it. And then I think the other, if we going to go, it's tough to do these, um, these predictions. Cause it, it, it's so difficult. They're all just around narrative. Um, is our got two heavy favorites. Here's what it is. You've got two heavy favorites and you've effectively got two teams that live to ruin favorites day. Right, like you have Croatia, who has gone through you know hell and high water to get to the semifinal again. Right, uh, they survived Croatia, uh, Japan, of course, but they got through Brazil, and in the group stage they were fighting like hell. You've got uh, Morocco, who we've already chronicled, went through Portugal, went through Spain. Um, so France and Argentina are on certainly on upset alert to say the least. I, I have to think that. Um, there's a certain amount of destiny in the Argentina side. We saw it at Copa America. We saw that, um, you know, the, uh, the will to do it for Leo, we've talked about it on the show, um, is, is, is strong. But at the same time, they gave up a two goal lead to the Netherlands. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of of two minds there. Uh, we saw Croatia pull it back against Brazil. 
I am I I, I love both of these teams. Uh, my heart tells me that Croatia uh, just is they're going to run out of a out of gas a little bit here. All of the free all the uh, the extra time, all of the penalties. Uh, it seems like their slipper uh, is is going to uh, you know it's going to fit one last time, but then it's going to turn back. You know the, the carriage is going to turn back into the pumpkin. Um, so I like Argentina to, to nudge, nudge ahead there. And then it's hard to say the words out loud. I think Morocco can beat France. We just talked about it. There is an opportunity for them to, to, to take this game. But if you say those words in succession, in a full sentence, period, stop, you sound like you should be in insane asylum. This French team, never mind the fact that they're defending World Cup champions, they're getting contributions from their entire attacking band. Um, I just don't know how Morocco stops all of them, right? If England couldn't do it, you just said, you know, Morocco's dealing with injuries in the back line. How, if if you mark Mbappe out of the game, if you treat him like Steph Curry, as we said, there's just going to be somebody else left there to beat you. And for me, it's just, it's too much. Uh, you, you've got... Uh, France, you've got Argentina, and and I think that's pretty much what you're going to have uh, going into the final on Sunday the 18th. So, um, you know, we're excited about it. We'll see. It's been it's been a great ride so far, um, but I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be Argentina and Croatia. Excuse me, Argentina and France uh, battling it out. And and I have nothing really against France, but if if I tip that, and we'll talk to you again before then, but. Um, I'm of the the hope that again that they that Messi can lift that trophy and and reach that goat status as Lamont said. So yeah, Mike, do you hear me all right? Oh yeah, there you are. Uh, yeah, so I, I, you did pick up, but I I dropped out for a second. I could hear you the whole time. It looks like my background dropped out, but I'm well, still then people here. can't see you, which is honestly probably the best part about our <laughs> show. So, but I've got yeah, I've that's, got that's, all, that's all right if they can't see me. Um, yeah, 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 but, yeah. Uh, we'll just we'll just bring you into the solo. Thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm all about Argentina on this one. Uh, I really hope they pull it out. The Messi thing is big for me. I really want him to get the GOAT status. I just think it would be a shame that we that we have to keep talking about Pele and Maradona, two guys that are frozen in three videos, in nine minutes of video, and some stuff from the from the uh, Cosmos. Uh, I under, I'm sure they're great, but we've seen Messi. I've seen it. Like it's real, and when well, he gets that, and when he gets that cup, it's gonna be solidified as him as the greatest of all time. He's just done it by himself so many times, so I yeah. just want to, you know, I want him to get a little bit of help this time. You know? And then, and then to stick it to Ronaldo as Ronaldo fades, yes. as he's as he's trying to hang on one more, it's kind of like uh, it does give me a little reminiscent of like no more washed up on the Cubs trying to hang on. You're not in, you're not in the conversation anymore, no more. You're not. Yeah. You're not. You're not That's with a Rod and Jeter. <laughs> yeah, you're gone, buddy. You're That's done. Really <laughs> I know. Uh, Laurent said something almost adjacently nice about Derek Jeter. So that's how I know it's time to go. Laurent, let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, that was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Mike and Laurent. We are members of the Chop Sports Network. We record on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Usually one of those days. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple, please rate and review the show. It makes a difference. We've enjoyed this tremendously, and we'll speak to you soon. <laughs>